Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 1. It articulates what you have just done. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you, and Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Folks, what is this light? It's the glory of God. It says the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But what is the Lord's glory? Somebody just said it's the presence of God. You can say it's the glory of God. You may say it's the presence of God. But I want to be more specific, folks. What is that? What is the glory of God? What is the presence of God? What does that even mean? I want to be even more specific. I believe that the glory of God is the love of God on display. It's just that simple. Sometimes that manifests in signs and wonders and, and, and natural miracles that we cannot understand. I say natural miracles, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? You see, different people define God in different ways. When we talk about the glory of God, sometimes we can have different ideas of what that means. Different people define God in different ways. That's, how is it that we have so many religions? How is it that even within Christendom, we have... Let me put it to you this way. I remember somebody sharing this with me. So if this is all a lie, or if it's not true, forgive me. But I, I think there's credibility in it. He said to me, how many tastes are there? How many tastes do you have? How many flavor combinations do you have? And apparently they did a, a, a survey and they tried to calculate all of these things and they came up with 144,000, something to that effect. Different ways you can taste it. It's not just salt, salty, sweet, bitter, umami. It's, it's flavor combination. And he, the reason he made that, that statement is because he says there are 144,000 different Christian denominations these days. There's a, there's, there's a kind of or a brand of, of God or religion or worship for any particular palette. And in our consumeristic society, isn't that what we do? We go where, you know, where things are what we like. We can define God in different ways, and mankind has proven that we are very good at creating idols in our hearts and in our minds that we choose to worship. But the question I have today is, how does God, through His Word and through the demonstration and the life of Jesus Christ, the living Word, define Himself? 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8 tells us, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That is the glory of God, that while you and I were yet sinners, he loved us. 
that no matter where our heart is towards God, we may be entirely indifferent towards Him or oblivious of Him. He loves us. Now, this word knows that appears in this sentence is the, word, the Greek word ginoso, ginosko. Thank you. And it is, what it means is it is related to the word see, in other words, have observed. In, in today's way of saying it, we say seeing is believing. I saw it with my own eyes. It's that kind of thing. And it describes a kind of knowledge that results from observation. You have seen the reality. You know it to be true. And in some cases, you know the truth because God has revealed it. There's a measure of experience in this. I've known it for myself. Those who love God are those who know God. And he who does not know God does not love and cannot love. Folks, the evidence that you and I are born again is that we love. It's not that we speak in tongues. It's not that we go to church. Because all of those things can be done with selfish motives and a selfish heart. Many people go to church on a Sunday because they want a new and a fresh word for how God can help them. How God can advance my needs. How God will bless me and my business. How God will do something for me. And you know what? God in His love desires to do these things. But love does not seek its own benefit. The evidence that we are born again and that God's love is at work within our hearts is that we're actually looking out for those around us. We're looking to find that one and say, you are coming with me. Let me read to you a portion of Scripture from the book of Romans, chapter 5. The first few verses from the New Living Translation say this, Therefore, since we have been made right with, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. In other words, what it means to have peace with God, it means that we come into His presence knowing that He's not angry with us. He's not got a score to settle for it with us. He's not trying to punish us for our sin. Jesus has paid the price for our sin, and we now have peace between us and God. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of understanding, of undeserved privilege, where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Did you hear that? What is the glory of God? Do I need to start again? Can we try? Can I, what is that, Luke? His love. Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and develop, uh, endurance develops character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. It's not a human love. It's not a contrived love. It's not something we can muster. It's something we receive and yield to as we give room for God to work in and through our lives. You see, our faith in God's love for us is what opens the way for us to experience God loves, God's love for us. 
but it is our experience of God's love for us that transforms us into the likeness of that love. God's love is irresistible. That's why the enemy has to work to deceive and to blind the hearts and minds of people so that they cannot see and recognize God's love. You could say, Michael, how can you say God's love is irresistible when so many people resist it? Because they're deceived. The truth has not been revealed to them. The Bible says that a day is coming we will all stand before the presence of Jesus and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Why? That He is Lord. Why? Not because He will force them. It's because that in the light of truth all the lies are stripped away and I can see that there truly is no other. He is the only way. He is the King of kings. He is God Almighty. He is the love of God incarnate. And in, a relation, and, 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 and in His presence in that moment, I bow my knee to the magnificence of the glory of that irresistible love. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The presence of Holy Spirit in our lives, folks, makes all the difference. He is the one who initiates, who inspires, who reveals, who demonstrates and empowers God's love within you and me. Let's look at what Jesus had to say on the matter. I'm going to read you a few verses from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, and also verse 21. From the Passion Translation, it says this, Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Let's pause for a moment. Let's just segue quickly. What are Jesus' commands? He's here in John 15, oh, sorry, I beg your pardon, John 14, making these statements. He says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. What is that command? Let's just go back one chapter. I'm going to quickly segue, like I said, to John 13, 34 and 35. It says this, a new commandment I give you, love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. What does the word true followers imply? It implies that there are fake followers. There are those who follow without the, the, the cord, the flow of God's love being their motivation. Their motivation is self. Their motivation is lust. Lust seeks the pleasure of self, the gratification of self. Love seeks the blessing of others. And Jesus says here, my true disciples are not going to be those, like I said earlier on, who come to church necessarily. It's not going to be those who speak with other tongues or do wonderful things. It's going to be those who demonstrate and walk in love. When you look at their lives, you can see the love of God in and through them. So let's go back to John 14. Jesus again says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands, this command of love. And I will ask the Father, and He will give to you another Savior, or helper, or advocate, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And He will never leave you. The world won't receive Him because they can't see Him or know Him. We just spoke about that. They can't see Him. They can't recognize Him. But you know Him intimately because He remains with you and will live inside you. What a beautiful prophecy of what's to come for you and me, or what our reality is today. 
Those who truly love me are those who obey my commandments. Another version says, love for me empowers you to walk in my commandments. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love him in return and will reveal myself to him. Reveal myself to him more and more and more. Now, I want to read the same portion of Scripture. This time I'm going to read it from the Michael's paraphrased version. And this is what it says. Sincere love for me means that you will love what I love, and so do what I do. I will send you the person who is the essence of my love, and he will be with you and in you to guide and empower you. My unselfish love seems crazy to those who have not experienced it. And what is that love? The people I live and will die for. Or what is it that I love? The people I will live and die for. When you love me, you will love them just like I do. That's what all of this means. When you love me, you will love them just like I do. Oh, and my father loves it when you love them. As a father, I watch my girls, and sometimes there's things that I've taught them, and they get it right, and I am so chuffed. That's what God feels like when He looks over us, and He sees us living and walking out and showing love, forgetting about ourselves for a while, and showing love to others. makes His heart swell with pride. That's my boy. That's my girl. The more you love others... Here's the, here's, and here's, the, here's, here's how this gains momentum. The more you love others, the more you will experience my love for yourself and through yourself. Folks, God's heart is for people. It's all about people. Our whole creation is a place to house people. The testimony we heard this morning was about people. The message we heard this morning about the principle of the tithe was about people. It is all about people, many of whom are lost and broken and lonely and do not know anything about the love of a father. You see, the whole purpose of ministries, the whole purpose of calling, the whole purpose of gifting, and the stuff we often spend so much time talking about church, the whole purpose even of signs and of wonders and the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is to demonstrate one thing, God's love for people. That's it. Let me give you an example here. How does it make you feel being a South African citizen in this place when you hear about the corruption of our government? Billions and billions of rands annually siphoned off to benefit a few well-connected people. I mean, the, 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 I just thought back this morning as I was thinking about this again, of that stadium that was built, I think it was for 15 million rand in the Eastern Cape. You remember that stadium? It was a set of bleachers. What happened to the other 14,900,042 rand? Somebody somewhere is sitting with it. 
It seems like there's not much part of our God. How does it make you feel when you hear about the wastage? On the one hand, the, 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 the people are saying, we, want to, we need to raise taxes because our poor people need it. We need to give social grants. We need to give housing. We need to do all of these things for the poor. And then, therefore, we're going to tax you and we're going to take your money. Uh, I think it's about, uh, is it about 60% of our fuel price is just taxes? I may have the figure about wrong, but uh, all of these things. Why? Because we need to maintain things. And yet... Houses aren't being built, the poor aren't being fed, because the money is being used for selfish means. People are using billions of rands of taxpayers' money, earmarked for the poor. They are using that, siphoning it off to enrich the lives of a few well-connected people. Their actions are not motivated by sincere care for those they are called and appointed to serve. They are using what has been entrusted to them simply to benefit themselves. This is utter corruption. Would you agree with me? This is the exact same corruption that is in the church of Jesus Christ today where we use the blessing of God, the grace of God, the gifts, the empowerments of God, not to serve and to love and to minister to those God has called us to, but we use them for our own benefit and gratification, and it ends there. God, have mercy on us. How easy it is to point the finger at the government and yet we sit endowed with such grace and power from God that finds no outlet. Is that not also corruption? Eating all of that which was intended not just for ourselves. I really believe that this is what Jesus means in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, when he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. <laughs> On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. We did all these amazing things with the power that you gave us, with the grace that you gave us. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. What are God's laws? Love. I got a new revelation of what this scripture means. I'll be honest with you, I've been in ministry for a long time. I don't think I ever truly understood what was really being said in this ministry. Because I always, understood, I, 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 I always thought, get away from me. I never knew you. What do you mean you never knew me? God knows everybody. He knows the very number of hairs on our head. He knows you by name. Amen? What do you mean he didn't know me? What Jesus means when he says, I never knew you, is simply this. I could not identify or recognize any of my love in what you were doing. I could not recognize love. I was never acquainted with your true motivations. My love was never your true source of inspiration. You built a wonderful ministry. Well done. You made a wonderful name for yourself. People thought you were fantastic. But you didn't do it because you loved them. You did it because you loved yourself. 
Therefore, get away from me. You who break, destroy, pervert, defile, corrupt God's law of sincere love. This is a hard word. This is a heavy realization. God's love is the love that is not in it for itself, but for others. And this is the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit, to be God's love in us and through us. Yes, with signs and wonders following. Yes, with miracles and grace and gifting. Yes, with power and deliverance and all of these wonderful things. But not so we can build a name for ourselves. Not so people will say, what a wonderful believer that brother Paul is. He came and prayed for me and he did all these wonderful things. And Paul is not the, the, the point of the glory. God is. Let me close with what is a familiar scripture to us, folks. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, speaking about love, says this. If I were to speak with eloquence in, in earth's many languages, in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I did not express myself with love, my words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. Do you want to know what that would sound like if I was to preach to you without love? This is what it would sound like. means nothing. That would be a little irritating very fast, wouldn't it? It means nothing. It means nothing. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy and profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but never learned to love, I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor, and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. It means nothing. We can do all of these things for God and think we're achieving major things, and it means nothing. Because it's not motivated by sincere love when I can look somebody in the eye, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've gone through, and sense in my heart love towards them. Anything else that comes from me is going to be contrived. Because love is incredibly patient. And it's gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love doesn't brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. No, love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated, nor is it quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. 
Love never takes failure as defeat, for love never gives up. Signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit outside of love have left many within and outside the church rightly skeptical. If we seek to go after these things for the sake of our own satisfaction or what we can gain, we miss the point. And yet these things flow, these wonderful gifts, the person of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit with the fruit that breaks down from love and with the wonderful gifts that He gives us to enable us to share that love, when these things are manifest and caught up within the flow of the current of God's love coming from His heart to ours and through us, there is a rich reward and a great blessing in them, both for those who receive them and for us who operate in them. But it's within the current and within the flow of that love that these things find beautiful expression. And my encouragement for you today is simply this. Get in the flow. Arise and shine. Celebrate God's love. Remember what He has done for you. And be that one who takes that love to somebody else. Whether that means a bowl of soup went to somebody who is cold. Whether that means a word of encouragement. We spoke about this last week. Talk to God about those who are around you. And do what He says. He will give you a love for them which is beyond your wildest imaginations. Allow Him to amaze you with what love can unlock and accomplish through you. Did you hear that? Allow God to amaze you with what love can unlock and accomplish. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.